0: Kevin Bowen here. Don't forget to listen to The Fan now on 93.5 or 107.5 FM. And check out our latest coverage online at 1075thefan.com. Are you out of your mind?
1: Are you out of your
0: Good old Chuckster, coming to Indianapolis this weekend. Raiders are flying straight from here to London. That makes sense. <laughs> they they aren't right? home for like five weeks. That sucks. Yeah, but I guess that's I guess that's what they deserve for moving to Vegas next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, that voice you hear is Joey Molinaro. I'm Kevin Bowen,
1: the newlywed.
0: Joey, back in studio. Hey, how you doing, man?
1: I'm great. I miss my wife. <laughs> I uh, am feeling a little drained and just kind of emotionally and physically hungover. But, yes. Um, you know, it happened. It was there and uh, it was awesome.
0: So. It was an awesome night for sure. I'm sure it was a great weekend for you. Uh, Maddie and I had a blast as we talked about on awesome. Monday's podcast. Yes, thank you for and, being uh, there. Definitely. Definitely. I dude, That was a great. I love that barn. That was cool, man. The the bar? Yeah, the barn. Barn. Well, the bar bar is always cool. I mean, the (laughs) bar could be on a street or in my backyard,
1: but yeah, the barn. yeah Man, a lot of work uh, went into that. Big thanks to um, Riley's mom and and her grandma and everything because they they did a a whole bunch of it. But we got down there on Friday and then set up the whole thing and turned out really well. Mother Nature cooperated? cooperate. It was a little warm, but I would rather be that way than rainy or sloppy or anything. And um, yeah, it was a great day, but uh, glad to be back for sure.
0: We loved it. We missed you a little bit here on Kevin's Corner, so we're happy to have you back. Um, sorry that you have to come back and watch the Raiders and Colts, but... Um, well, yeah. I
1: love it. You said Chucky. I mean, he's coming.
0: Chucky's coming. Yeah, he's bringing his football team to town uh, right now as we tape this Thursday morning. Colts are, I think, six and a half point favorites, Yeah, which is the biggest ever for Jacoby Brissett under center so that'll be something to watch but um our thursday podcast per usual will be a very game-centric focused podcast we'll talk about what i learned this week the malik hooker injury uh, a little bit of adventatory news not too much we don't want to hit on that and then i I do think we need to probably give our most detailed injury report update of the year again when we film or we record this podcast it's thursday morning um so we still have two more practice days to watch but uh I'd say a little bit more concerning,
1: certainly, than we thought of coming out of uh, the win over the Falcons. Yeah, well, let's start with things you learned, Kevin. And, and first, that kind of ties into uh, the injuries there is that it's it's really Kari Willis's time now.
0: It is Kari Willis's time, and you know it's kind of funny, Joey, when we talked after the draft, we felt like maybe Kari Willis was the most ready-made draft pick. And the reasons for saying that is this is a guy that started various games in four seasons not something you usually see from a Big Ten defender on a really good team in Michigan State. There wasn't some position switch he was going to have to undergo like, you know, I guess in a way Ben Banagoo initially was thought of or and even a guy like Paris Campbell becoming more of a complete wideout and less of a gadget guy. But I will say that where we expected Kari Willis to be ready-made was probably more as a box safety more is that line of scrimmage guy, similar to the one we saw two weeks ago in Tennessee, make some great plays. And now without Malik Hooker, I think he's going to be asked to do a lot more deep field center. Not, not so much center field, because I think at now you just kind of have to play, you know, I guess left field, right field, sort of a cover two, more yeah. of that look to it. I don't think you want to leave either of your safeties, Clayton Gathers or Kari Willis, in that single high look. But we're going to find out about Kari Willis. And something the Colts told us all along, like during the draft process, the Colts made it clear from day one. They were like, he's not just a box safety. Trust me. Like, he's not just this Clayton Gethers 2.0. Yes, he's probably most comfortable as a box safety, and we think he's one of the surest tacklers in the NFL, but it's just, it's something that now we're going to see him in a different skill set a little bit more. Again, deeper down the field more of that kind of last line of defense sort of thing. And that's a skill set that I think Malik Hooker brings and brought to your defense, perhaps more so than any other player on your roster. You know, it's like, oh, Devin Funches goes down. You think you have kind of an equal counterpart in Deion Mm Cain. But I look at Malik Hooker, and it's kind of like he goes down. I don't think there's anybody on the roster that necessarily you look at on paper and you think that guy will 100% fit what Malik Hooker gave this defense. Um I remember talking to Chad Henry, the Colts' area scout. So kind of the Big 10, Michigan State, Midwest scout for the Colts. And he was pretty adamant that this guy, Cary Willis, wasn't just a box safety. You know, said that at Michigan State, they lined him up all over their defense, extremely instinctual player, very smart player. And then we do the um the draft film breakdown with Chris Ballard And Ballard pretty much exclusively showed us plays where Willis wasn't a box safety. Uh To just kind of remind us, like, all right, this is why we thought he was one of the three or four best safeties in the draft. This is why we traded up 20 picks to get him. Because when you look at Kari Willis, measurables, combine testing, he's not on par with the elite level the rest of the 2019 draft picks have in those areas. He's 5'11", 213, runs you know mid four fives. Again, not a crazy jumper or short shuttle guy. So he's a little bit different yeah. than the rest of that. I feel like his number doesn't do him any
1: justice either. No, being number thirty seven. No, it's it's like not that that obviously all those things you just said is true, but it's like you look at him in thirty seven, you're like yeah.
0: Yeah, are you playing JV and right. and you're in the fourth quarter on a you know blowout a homecoming game? You know, yeah, thirty seven is
1: not a pretty number for any any position. Yeah, so it kind of goes along with all those you know measurables that you just yeah. mentioned.
0: You know, it's something where we saw the Colts work out some safeties earlier this week. Marcus Gilchrist was probably the biggest name on that list. I had a lot of people asking about Eric Barry. Oh wow, yeah. Yeah, you know, I think what you have to remember about Barry or even Mike Mitchell last year. They've got to want to come here, and they've they've got to want to be willing to do a duty for a month and a half and then go on the bench. Like, this is not Atlanta right now with Keanu Neal, who just tore his Achilles and is out for the rest of the year. This is Malik Hooker. You're a stopgap guy for a month, month and a half. So, I think that played in to maybe some of those bigger name safeties that are on the open market. Necessarily not... Um, not fall into an immediate fit here in Indianapolis. Um, I I do think it's interesting to me, Joey, that Malik Hooker now missed, what, 11, no, nine games as a rookie with the ACL, Uh two games last year, and then the playoff game against Kansas City. Now he's looking at, you know, four to six weeks here with the torn meniscus. It's weird that he has suffered these injuries and is a bit injury-prone when he doesn't have, a, like, the physicality of a Gathers or a Bob Sanders. Like, you can kind of understand why Clayton Gathers always gets hurt. You can kind of understand why Bob Sanders always gets hurt. Yeah. With Hooker, it was just, I don't know if you saw the replay of, of the play he got hurt on. I saw on. the video that you put up, yeah. It's just kind of an awkward, like, half-tackle slide in where his knee just is in a bad spot. Right. and
1: It's been a lot of bad timing for him. Yeah,
0: it really has. I mean, that Jacksonville play, I went back and watched the torn ACL. Because it's on two separate knees. I'm almost positive on that. I know some people have asked that. The ACL, I think it was his right knee. I think this injury was his left knee. That ACL play, Nate Hairston and I think Alan Hearns caught the ball from Bortles. And Nate Hairston and Darius Butler like come to make the tackle, and they just kind of almost knock each other off the tackle. Hearns goes up the sidelines. Now Hooker has to make a tackle. And boom, he gets laid out on the sidelines. Kind of a Kind of yeah. a, a very questionable block. I forget who the Jacksonville wideout was, but Um, lastly, before we move on, you know, Corey Willis is going to get tested against some pretty good quarterbacks. You know, the schedule has lessened with the Roethlisberger injury and maybe just some of those other quarterbacks, but the next three games, Carr, Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, that's a pretty good quarterback stretch. So I think Cardi Willis will get tested. I think Clayton Gathers will get tested. Some people have asked about maybe Quincy Wilson back there. Maybe when you go into dime packages, we didn't see that on Sunday, but now that you've had a week to get ready, you know maybe you put you know Wilson and and, and Willis back there and you move Gathers up. Um, so yeah, we'll see how it all unfolds. And uh, big big test for uh, the rookie at Michigan State.
1: Kevin, the Raiders start the year 1-0. Monday night football, big win over Denver. After all that Antonio Brown stuff. And then back-to-back weeks, they get blown out. Do the Raiders stink? What's going on?
0: I think they kind of stink. They've been terrible the last mm-hmm. game and a half. Now, you play the Chiefs and you go to the Vikings. I mean, those are two you know, difficult games for sure. But you look at the numbers since they had that. I think they're up ten zero maybe on the on the Chiefs. I think they were kind of like the week two, like oh my god, yeah,
1: who needs I, Antonio I, I, Brown? I was interested, yeah. right? Uh, and
0: then Patrick Holmes is like, yeah, hold my beer. Here's twenty eight points in the second quarter. Since that quarter, they've been outscored sixty two to
1: fourteen
0: hmm. in the last six quarters.
1: Definite stinkage there.
0: That's stinkage. A Lot of stink.
1: Um. I think it's
0: 18 of their last 18 drives, they've scored 14 points. So it's not been pretty yeah. lately for them. Um, you know, you're know, you kind of waiting for Josh Jacobs to get going a little bit more. They're banged up at linebacker, which I think is something to watch uh, going into Sunday. Because if you look at last year's meeting, which I, I do think there are some elements of last year's meeting you can apply to this one. No Malie Cooker in that game. Derek Carr shredded you. Carr had 17 straight completions mm-hmm. in that game. Yep. Raiders were up going to the fourth quarter.
1: Pretty high-scoring one there.
0: Yeah, 42-28 final. Hooker, or uh, Leonard, had the um, the tomahawk chop on Doug Martin to uh, seal that game. But the Colts' tight ends had a huge game. Mo'Ally Cox made the highlight reel of the season. Yep. Jack Doyle returned to the lineup, got in the end zone. Eric Ebron did his Victoria's Secret strut down the, down the uh, runway model, if that you will, right after well. scoring. Yep. So your tight ends had a big day, and you think injuries at linebacker, and you think T.Y. Hilton banged up. We'll get into that a little bit later. Hilton only had one catch in that game, and I think if there is a strength to this Raiders team, it is a little bit a corner, uh, the Conley kid out of Ohio State, mm-hmm. um, you know Carl Joseph is a safety, you know Lamarcus Joyner. There's a couple of names in Oakland secondary um, that I think you have to. At least worry about. I don't know if you saw that. You see, no,
1: they cut Ryan Grant. Oh no! Yeah, Ryan Grant, because he started. He had to slide in at that Z uh, position after Antonio Brown left, and then he started and he he got the first catch
0: of the season. And then, like you said, Ryan granted it. So no need for a tribute video. Oh okay. Sunday inside of Lucas Oil Stadium. You could still have one for Jonathan Hankins. Would have been more of like a tribute vine,
1: to um, boy. That's good. That's really good.
0: Yeah. Someone tweeted at me yesterday, I blinked, did I miss it?
1: <laughs> yeah, there
0: you go. You know, Someone was like, oh, are we just going to have a picture of him running routes? Uh-huh. like Getty Images, highlight reel of Ryan right. Grant. Um, Jonathan Hankins, Denzel Good, couple former Colts right. out there in Oakland. Um, but yeah, I just, I, on paper, Joey, I feel like it's one of the easier games you're going to have all year. For sure. And yes, you have some injuries that are going to play into it. But this is an Oakland team that I think is on the ropes. You know, it's it, it just, it's just teetering a little bit. And, and we talked earlier, they're in this five-game stretch where they don't play at home. And everyone's kind of questioning what the future holds and what the hell John Gruden's doing. Just all these weird dynamics. And I think if you can kind of hit him in the mouth early, that could do a lot to making this game be a runaway. And maybe we see
1: Brian Hoyer make his Colts debut. Playing devil's advocate here. I'm with you. I God. feel like the Colts are, re- are are rolling, and I feel like the Raiders are reeling. This is why
0: I like you, big. You, you know, <laughs> Maddie wasn't giving me a whole lot of devil's advocate on Monday.
1: No, she big big kudos to Maddie Bowen. She did a great job. Outstanding. I've got a couple laughs listening for sure. She texted me during the podcast. You'll like this. Yeah.
0: Who was Julio?
1: <laughs> well, she fooled me because she just went right with it, and she said, "I wouldn't say he's the best in the league." She played it off hey, pretty yeah, well. I was like, oh damn. You all can right. make an argument for DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah. You can make an
0: argument for some Odell Beckham, you know,
1: whoever. But yeah, when
0: she texted me who was Julio, oh,
1: boy, I was like, oh boy. That's funny. Yeah. That's great. Um all right. to play devil's advocate yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. Kansas City coming up next week on Sunday night football. Had a good win over Atlanta. You're you're kinda this is one of those weird games in between It's like, okay, almost a touchdown favorite. We should beat the doors off of these guys. Is there any sort of fear of that from you? I think it's a very fair point. Um,
0: I trust Frank Reich to get his team to be a professional football team on Sunday. Take care of business. Do your job. Uh, Every sort of cliche that you can think of. Just get it done. Because if you win on Sunday, you can get blown out in Kansas City and – we will still have questions about just how this team could do in January, but you're going to come back from your bye week a three and two football team, and Andrew Luck, Johnny Unitas, Jacoby Brissett—you would have signed up for three and two. You would have signed up for three and two, and you've gotten a road divisional win. You're one and zero in the AFC South. Like that is just huge, huge for this football team to go ahead. Take care of business on Sunday, no matter your personnel situation, and move on. Um, sure, there is a human element that you could be looking ahead, but I look at Frank Reich's football team, and I think this, and I touched a little bit on this on Monday's podcast. We talk so much about him as a, as a play caller and his schemes and his chess matches. That is obvious, but his team is also very disciplined. They've shown that in the penalty department early in the season. I'd like to think they'd be disciplined again on Sunday Lucas Oil Stadium.
1: Last week there without the Maniac, it was funny seeing his wife or fiance or um, post those Instagram stories <laughs> yeah. of him that and the full great. helmet and the jersey. Got to love a guy who's that invested. But larger point being here, Kevin, pretty long injury list going into week four for the Colts.
0: Yeah, longest of the year, what we saw uh, after Wednesday's practice. And like I said earlier, uh, this is a fluid situation. You know, what I say here could definitely change here in about 24 hours or 36 hours, so Stay tuned to our notebooks on 1075thefan.com and, and my Twitter account for my thoughts on this. Gary um, Slender did not practice Wednesday. If he does not practice Thursday, Joey, he's not going to play on Sunday afternoon. You know, I, I think that's pretty much a foregone conclusion. There's still a few steps to clear in the concussion protocol. We did see him at the complex on Tuesday. We didn't see him at all last week, so I guess that's somewhat of a positive sign. But, you know, there is past precedent with guys having concussions, missing multiple games. Quincy Wilson missed almost a month last season. Clayton Gethers missed a few games. Now, more often than not, a guy only misses one game or misses zero games. Now, last year we saw Marlon Mack miss zero games with with a concussion. He didn't practice on Wednesday, but practiced on the Thursday Session. So this is obviously a huge day for Darius Leonard to get back on the practice field. And, you know, I thought after going back and watching the game a little bit more detail, some definite ups, some definite downs for Bobby Okereke in his first start. Uh, Matt Iverflues, a guy that probably toes the line of not trying to be overly critical on his personnel or his defense in general, at least publicly. He was definitely... Gave that sort of vibe with Bobby Okereke. Some good, some bad. What you'd expect for a first-time rookie starter. Uh, if you look at Oakland, you think Darren Weller, their tight end, has been kind of a fantasy godsend here early in the season. Leads the team in catches. Yeah. At 13 last week. Um, so the tight ends were exposed a bit. Now, Julio Jones and Muhammad Sanu and Calvin Ridley help draw attention elsewhere. The Raiders obviously don't have that, but uh, Leonard is, is a name to watch. And then T.Y. Hilton, Joey, quad injury for Hilton, aggravated it on Sunday. He said after the game on Sunday that the doctors did not want him to go back in the game and possibly risk tearing it. So I think what we need to do with Hilton is we need to realize that this is not just, oh, T.Y. Hilton misses practice all the time and still plays in games. Remember, he missed two games this time last year with a hamstring injury. He was not on the field in that overtime loss to the Texans. That's why I disagreed with Frank Reich's decision so much. It's like, wait, you're going to throw the ball to Chester Rogers? Yeah, with the game on the line, and I know it was a terrible throw by Andrew Luck, but still. Um, by the way, nice what nice wedding ring I just noticed.
1: it. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, went went gold. Is it awkward? Uh, getting used to it yeah. for sure. Yeah. So. It's an adjustment, but yeah, it's all good.
0: I left mine at the driving range once. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was a very nerve. I don't think, hopefully, Maddie doesn't listen to this far into the podcast. I was but, um, say. Yeah, I went back. I got it, obviously. Okay. Um, yeah, I was probably, what was I, like three minutes away? Sweating.
1: That's not bad.
0: Yeah, mother and daughter hitting balls right next to me. I just
1: grabbed the ring. I'm like,
0: oh, babe, yeah, see ya.
1: <laughs> Every time I wash the hands, yeah. it gets a little scary. For sure. So. For sure. A L- little, little slippery there.
0: Yeah. um. But, yeah, Hilton, you know, again, he missed a couple games last year with a hamstring, and I just, you know, quad, I hear tear, a possible... I don't know. I just think that's a little scary. Like, a sprained sprained ankle, which you played through late last season, it was severe, but you didn't end up needing surgery on it. You weren't going to risk further injury or damage. It was just, like, pain threshold. Can Mm. you handle that? Um, So I think this is different, and... You know, let's acknowledge the situation. You should beat the Raiders without T.Y. Hilton. With T.Y. Hilton, you probably will lose to the Chiefs. Like, that's just kind of – I know it's tough for, like, the Colts to commit to that. Yeah. But that's kind of how I look at it. And I'm thinking in the back of my mind, like, all right, if this is a possibility that, you know, it's a grade whatever, two sprain or whatever you want to – aggravation – if he can rest through the bye week, does that grade become now those quads 98% or close to 100%? Right. I don't know. It, it's it's a tough dilemma, I know, but these aren't the must-win games that you had last year when Hilton was dealing with those ankle injuries. So I think if he is out, they'll promote Ashton Doolin from the practice squad. And then obviously it's a lot on Paris Campbell and Deion Kane. So it's just something that I want to monitor a little bit more the next few days. Um, I'm not ready to say foregone conclusion that he plays, like I think some people want to say. And, th- and then lastly, just a little bit of info we learned from uh, Danico Autry. He was rocking these, like, sunglasses in the locker room yesterday. He got poked in the eye. Wow. In that Falcons game. It was hard not to look at him and not laugh. <laughs>
1: Are we talking like old geezer on the front? No, you know, like- we're, we're 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 talking like
0: I coach my son's travel baseball team. Ah, uh, okay, yeah, So, a hard O dad. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or like you know, I coach East Mississippi Community College, there it and is. you know, we're getting ready for two a days. So, I chew a lot
1: of tobacco, and I am balding, right? And overweight, right? Exactly. Got it.
0: Um. And Autry is such a stoic individual to begin with. I was so nervous looking at him in the locker room. I'm like, wait, is he staring at me? <laughs> and I was like, right. so I finally went over and talked to him. I'm just like, hey, what what happened? And he said that he might have to wear a visor. You nice. know, his vision is that cool messed up right now that the glasses really help his vision. He practiced yesterday. It wasn't on the injury report. But, uh, yeah, the D-line's a little banged up with Tyquan Lewis and Al-Kadeem Muhammad as well. So
1: a little bit longer injury report, but let's keep an eye on it the next couple days. All right, last thing from things you learned uh, this week, Kevin, uh, Adam ben he seems to have corrected himself a little bit.
0: Uh, a very solid performance for him on Sunday. Needed the 5-5 five of five clean sheet. Yes, that 49-yarder got a little wobbly late, but a made field goal is a made field goal. And uh, he went on the Pat McAfee podcast uh, by the way, Pat McAfee Colts are undefeated when he bangs the anvil. Bring him back. Bring him back. Wearing the goat shirt on Sunday. Great work by uh, by McAfee. I still really haven't watched Thursday night football with him yet.
1: I was planning on doing that tonight. Yeah,
0: yeah. I might flip back. Oh, well, Thursday night game's pretty good.
1: I'm gonna have both of them. Yeah, yeah. I'm ready to go.
0: Eagles Packers and Memphis against somebody for McAfee's game. Um, so Venetary went on McAfee's podcast this morning and. He said that he went back and watched some kicks during the 44 straight field goal streak he had in 2015 to 2016. And basically, it's just timing more than anything. And he stressed just getting back to a smooth swing. You know, I think length and distance has never been an issue for him, you know, throughout these issues that he's had. And it's just getting a more of a smooth swing and, you know, not too fast, not too slow. It probably sounds like every. Golf lesson people have ever had in their life, or you know, every dad in the batting cage with you, just smooth it out, you know. Yep, um, let the bat do the work, let the ah, leg nice. do the work. Yeah, I'm ready to coach T ball right now. That was good. Um, so yeah, that was kind of what McAfee stressed, uh, or I guess Veneteri, I should say, stressed with McAfee, and then he reiterated that retirement was never thought about throughout this process. And that, um, you know, he wanted to make sure that he sent a message to his kids that tough times you don't quit, more or less. You know, to your family, to your family inside that locker room, you don't quit. And, uh, you know, he was pretty adamant it wasn't about confidence. It was more about, like, finding the swing slot, if you will, and just feeling that again Mm. in a game. Um, I think we could maybe debate how much of it was confidence as well. But um, yeah. uh, What Adam Vinatieri needed, he needs another one on Sunday, and then he's got to go to Arrowhead and do it again before the bye week.
1: You want to do some Twitter questions? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Do those. We got a few left over, I think, from Monday. Awesome. From Landon, Jacoby has looked good. Reich's play calling has been phenomenal. Is a good comparison Andy Reid paired with Alex Smith, or is Jacoby's ceiling higher than Smith's was?
0: Um. That's interesting. You know, I I think they're different players. I think Alex Smith is definitely a better athlete than Jacoby Brissett. I think he made more plays with his legs. I'd like to think Jacoby Brissett provides a little bit of a stronger arm uh, as well. And I I don't know. I feel like Alex Smith, Alex Smith and Joe Flacco, you hear those names, and they have negative connotations with them. You know? Yeah. Like, Alex Smith, if you put up his numbers probably next to, like, Eli Manning's, they're probably, like, not crazily different.
1: Yeah, if they had the same amount of, like, games played, you know, and kind right. projected them out. Yeah.
0: Um, but there's just this negative, which, you know, Eli Manning's won two Super Bowls, and I can't believe the stat that the Giants—Eli Manning's been the Giants' quarterback for 15 years, was, I guess I should say. Uh-huh. They've only made the playoffs—or, excuse me, they've only won a playoff game in two of those 15 seasons.
1: The ones that won the Super Bowl. The ones that won the Super Bowl. Hey. How crazy is that? If you win the big one, then— you don't really remember those kind of stats. Yeah, wow.
0: Andy Reid, Alex Smith. I, you'd like to think there's a little higher ceiling there. I do for Jacoby. Yeah, but granted, Alex Smith was what the number one overall pick. Jacoby Rousseau was taken, you know, third round. So I, I don't, I don't know. I, I really believe in Frank Reich, Joey. I do. Um. So yeah, I, I don't know if. I don't know. That's a good. Uh, that's a really good question. I I don't know if I have a great answer. I my my gut tells me there is a higher ceiling. But I'm not sure.
1: You mentioned Frank Reich. That leads us into Scotty's question: Is it too early to jump on the Coach Reich as a genius hype train? Did we jump on the Coach Eberflus as a genius hype train too early?
0: Boy, I don't know if I was ever on that that hype train, Joey. Yeah. Um. Yeah. You know, I think Frank Reich as a play caller. It is, you know, close to genius. It is—it gives the—genius is a really, really aggressive term. Like, Bill Belichick is a genius. Uh-huh. But Frank Reich makes—he makes things look genius-like a lot. And as I as I posted in the article on 107.5thefan.com earlier this week, he's an offensive weapon. He's a weapon. He ain't going to score you any fantasy points on Sunday, but he gives the Colts a great chance to win a football game. Um— but yeah, I think there's more evidence there of Frank Reich than Matt Eberflus being a genius. So yeah, I I, I am I am all aboard the Frank Reich, terrific, terrific play caller train.
1: This is from Hey B Love Luck. Hmm. What would it take from Jacoby for you to say, wow, maybe the Colts got lucky with Andrew's retirement and Jacoby staying in Indy? Super Bowl, fifty touchdowns. I'm not saying we are better off this way, but I do hope I can say that someday.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, Super Bowl or fifty touchdowns—I mean, that's a, that's a lot. I don't think I need to go there. No, I mean, I think you can—you win a playoff game or two, you throw forty-three touchdowns, forty-five touchdowns. I—I I mean, that's, that's a lot. I mean, that Jacoby Brissett's done a lot uh-huh. in in three weeks too. Um, I think I maybe said on Monday, he's starting to make me believe more into what the Colts have always believed. You know, Ballard yeah. and, and Reich have always thought he's a top twenty quarterback. He's certainly played like that yeah. through through three games. You could argue he's been better than that. You know, now it's three games, and I just I I, I want to see a bigger sample size before I'm ready to say like crown him. You know, don't think about twenty twenty quarterbacks like all of that stuff. Um, you know, it's funny. I think the Indy Star put out the um like. The best three starts to a season, or I don't know, some some sort of like small sample size. Maybe it's like the best three starts of a career, which I guess for Jacoby Reset, it, it it wouldn't compare to that since he had started seventeen games coming into the season. But but the list is like two Hall of Famers, and then it's like David Carr. Uh, you know, insert some other David Carr-like quarterback that just flamed out after you know a few games or one or two seasons. Like yeah. it's very feast or famine. So, um, it's been really, really good though from Jacoby. I don't think he needs to be reaching Super Bowl fifty touchdowns for me to sit here and think that he deserves to be the franchise quarterback. I don't think he needs to get to that level. Um, but I think to me it's almost more of, it's more of consistency and repeatable performances unless these crazy peaks, like 450-yard game and four touchdowns. No, like, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. But, like, it's more of just string things together. That, to me, would would stand out.
1: Well, I even think back to the Buffalo preseason game. From that game to now, I mean, a- after watching that first preseason game, it was like, oh, my God. Oh, I mean, think about training game. Luck better be ready.
0: You know, all those practices – we watched during training camp. And yeah. I mean fans watched them too. It's yeah. not like we were sitting there with earth shattering, you know, revelations, but the defense overwhelmed the offense. Yeah. And, you know, that was with Jacoby Brissett, you know, taking all those first team reps in the offseason. So we've seen a lot more of Browns touchdown drive preseason, Jacoby Brissett. Yeah. Than we have first drive Browns only drive, or I guess two drives against Buffalo.
1: From Colts fan and Cincy, am I the only one who is concerned about Eberflus in second half adjustments?
0: No, I don't think you are the only one. I don't think you you should be the only one. Uh, JMV and I kind of got into a bit of a uh, Matt Eberflus Frank Reich heavy comparison last night when I was on air. And for those of you that missed it, I guess I'll just reiterate it here. It's shocking to me, Joey, that your offensive coach and your defensive, I should say, your offensive play caller and your defensive play caller could be more polar opposite in how they approach their units. Yeah. Frank Reich, give me all the chess pieces, watch me pick and choose, watch me dictate things week to week, watch me change up personnel and... Run heavy and tight end heavy and pass heavy and read option this and Zach Paschal emerges and like all of that like Frank Reich, he loves that and it's why I think he's so good, and Matt Eberflus is kind of like, boys, effort, yeah, speed, effort, cover two. Did I mention effort? Like that, that's kind of what what they do. Simple, effort. You know, it's it's like it's just that over and over again. It's not a whole lot of dictating. And I do think it's easier when you have the ball in your hands to dictate more offensively. But there are a whole lot of defenses in this league that they they disguise things and they do things week to week that are a lot more exotic than what the Colts do. Yeah. And I think at times you watch the second halves of games, Frank Reich has the ball with 4 minutes to go in the game and he's ready to throw mm-hmm. with a lead. He's ready to win the game. I want to go win the game. Whereas Matt Eberflus in that defense, it's almost like, let's hold on. Let, exactly. You know, let's, you know, let's let's sit back. Yep. Let's we're gonna hope that they make the mistake. And I just I don't like that thinking. And I'm sure there's a fine balance in it, and I'm not sitting here acting like I'm totally right, but that's just my opinion on it. And I especially think it shows more, Joey, when your personnel has been subtracted via injury or whatever. You know, I think back to Pascal, for example, on Sunday. He makes a touchdown catch with Hilton in the game. Fast forward to the second half, Hilton's out of the game, so you don't have that 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 great disguise in number thirteen. So what does Frank Reich do? He thinks to himself, "It's third and one. The run game is great." Atlanta's going to sell out on the run. Let's use use Zach Pascal again. And it works. 35-yard gain. Whereas when the personnel is missing on the Colts defense, it's almost like they get even more simple. And I'm thinking to myself, Matt Ryan is doing what right now? No pass rush? No sacks? The stat is astonishing. Fo- football perspective had this stat from Sunday's game. From 0 to 20 yards, Matt Ryan throwing the football. 20 yards is pretty pretty far down the field, throwing the football. Matt Ryan was 24 of 25. 24 of 25, throwing the football from 0 to 20 yards. Only in completion was a Freeman drop Wow! in the second half on a little dump. I mean, that is just... You know, I, I just think when you're missing personnel, I think your, your your scheme needs to be even better to try to make up for your lack of personnel. Right. That, that's kind of how I how I look at it, and I don't know. You know, it'll it'll probably continue to be a question for me, and it'll be tested the next three weeks personnel wise. You're, you're missing some guys, and certainly as I mentioned, some of the quarterbacks you're going to play are Pro Bowl caliber, MVP caliber, and Patrick Mahomes, and hell, maybe even Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson's a damn good football player. Yeah.
1: Um, I was going to say, we're going to find out pretty quickly, like you said. I mean, yeah, in it's Kansas just the city. Eesh.
0: And it's just it's something we saw last season when you play the better quarterbacks. And I don't know. I, I have a higher standard for this defense. I do. And so far, they have not lived up to it to me.
1: From Joshua, let's say Brissett goes 38 touchdowns, seven picks, 3,800 yards, takes the Colts to the playoffs, Colts win the Super Bowl. Oh, next offseason, Andrew Luck says he wants to come back. Who do you trade, Luck or Brissett? <laughs> it's like the old, it's almost like Philly in a way. I mean, Winston did retire, but.
0: Right, right. You know, um, so I saw this question. Joshua sent this to me, I think, yesterday. And so when I saw it, I was in the media room, and I posed it to the media guys, colleagues. Oh, I've never seen him get more stirry in my life. <laughs>
1: They how were so all. what were they like like that's crazy talk what or just was-
0: like I've never even thought it like oh, I don't yeah. want my brain to go there my my, my brain would explode yeah, trying to think about it guys. but I'm thinking myself I, I I love it I think it's a terrific question this is how my my thought process is I think Ursay would want luck back and I think Boward and Reich would want
1: Brissett. really even after Brissett brought a, another Lombardi to Mr Ursay
0: yeah, the Super Bowl is is a big deal, isn't it? I just think that, like,
1: I don't know. I, I just think he has I, an affinity for guys that he like that he brings in as kind of his own.
0: Yeah, and I just I don't know. You know, when he says he wants three straight Super Bowls and all of that, um, you know, let, let let's I if Brissett wins a Super Bowl, he's got to be a quarterback moving forward. Mm-hmm. I am sorry, he has to. And then you trade Andrew Luck for a King's ransom. Right, you have him under, you know, under contract. Um, let Let's say you only get the AFC title game, and Luck comes back. Then, then I think that's a much more debatable decision. Mm. And that's where I go back to. I think Ursay would want Luck back, and I think Ballard and Reich would want Jacoby Brissett. I think there's something about to like. I think there's just a little bit more there inside that locker room of like. Jacoby's our guy. Like, that dude low-key quit on us. Like, I just, I I do. I think if you really get, yes, they all understand it. They're like, all right, good for Andrew Luck. Like, we understand it. But still, he turned his back on. He left us two weeks before the start of the season. That guy didn't. That guy was thrown into an awful situation. Not an awful situation. That guy was thrown into an, you know, an awkward situation. And he just took us to the damn AFC title game? I think that would get a rallying cry. And I don't know, man. It's almost like Bobby Boucher's
1: dad. Yeah, you know, he <laughs> walks out, but then when he's going to the NFL and he's the water boy, he comes back and he's ready to beat Tiger Woods right. and his daddy. But uh, I feel you. Yeah, I, I would probably think that they would know. All majority of the guys would want to roll with Jacoby then.
0: And I, just, I really think Ballard and Reich, yeah, would 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 yeah. 1%, But
1: man, what a great debate. From Tom, do you think Jacoby's performance Sunday was a fluke or a sign of things to come? I thought I was sneezing. Couldn't get it out. That was the worst. Yeah. Um, all right. Sorry. Give it to me again. Tom wants to know, do you think Jacoby's performance on Sunday was a fluke or a sign of things to come?
0: That's um, a, it's a good one. You know, I, I. the cop-out would be like somewhere in between weeks, week two and week three. And he was really good on Sunday. And Frank, I can mention now, he felt like he was elite. On Sunday, he needed that elite performance to kind of tell his tell his teammates or show his teammates more so. I, I, I fluke again. It sounds too harsh, but yes, I I, I don't think that will become the norm. Seventy five percent, three hundred and ten yards, two touchdowns, and no picks. I mean, if that's the norm, that's MVP. that's MVP yeah. type stuff. So I guess it is a bit flukish, but I don't want that to come off as me sounding like. <laughs> I think Chicago Brissett sucks. Uh
1: I don't I don't I don't think that. From Andrew. Not confirmed if it was Andrew Luck or Andrew since he's since Andrew's watching the Colts. We have watching that him. confirmed. Uh you called that one. Who knows if he's chiming in on Kevin's corner? But Andrew wants to know if Mac ends with more rushing yards this year than Ezekiel Elliott, how much does he get paid when he signs a new deal? Do we extend him in the offseason? Well,
0: we, we I, I think the Colts would definitely extend him. I don't know exactly. I can't say I've looked at running back contracts too much. He would get nowhere near what Ezekiel Elliott got. Let's not try and compare those two from a monetary value standpoint. And... um, So, yeah, I, I don't... I mean, Marlon Mack would have a nice payday. <gasps> Excuse me. Boy. Damn, you got all sorts of stuff going on over there. God, I'm struggling. <laughs> um... Yeah, I don't think he would get a huge payday like a top 3 running back payday. Um, but I think he'd be paid substantially and I mean the big thing for a running back nowadays is just get the second contract. Yeah. You know, that seems to be a prayer for half these guys. So That's so
1: why Zeke, you know, he has 2 years on his deal but he wanted that that second one done. Right. It,
0: it, exactly. So, um, yeah, that'll be something that I'll probably take a closer look at later in the season when you know, if and when it looks like Marlon Mack continues to do what he's doing and a possible, but I I do think an extension would come if, you know, he ranked as a top three rusher in the NFL this
1: year from Mitch. It looked like Ture was more effective against the left side than Houston yesterday. Notice this in the Chargers game too. Given his speed, should Ture line up on the left side and Houston on the right?
0: I think it really depends Mitch um, game to game. You know, how do your tackle, how does the tackle situation look? You know, you see Oakland and it's Colton Miller, a first round pick, and it's Trent Brown, the big free agent signing who's a little banged up from New England. Those those are the tackles. If you think back to the Chargers and the Titans, you know, no Russell Okung, no Taylor Lewan. So they've got played into. I think all of it is just very where can we find the best one on one matchup? Mm-hmm. And and Iber actually mentioned that this week of like that we didn't do a good job of that against the uh against the Falcons, so we got to do a better job of identifying where, you know, he didn't say this, but basically you you identify where their weaknesses are, where do we want Autry, where do we want Houston? Houston probably lines up on the guy that maybe can't handle the bull rush as much. Terry probably lines up on the guy that can't handle the speed rush as yep. much. So, yeah, I, I think it's very, you know, very just different, different game-by-game game, offensive line, offensive line centric.
1: All right, last one before we get into your keys to the game and prediction. This is from Jaden. Is there a reason why Ben Banigou hasn't gotten as many reps as we thought he would, or is it a developmental factor there? Well,
0: Jaden, I don't know what you thought he was going to get. You know, I look at him as the fourth defensive end right now. Um, al Mohammed, Muhammad, um, Justin Houston, Kamoko Turi, and then Banigou. You know, Turee didn't play a whole lot of snaps against the Falcons, so I, I don't. I know that um, Frank Reich actually liked what what Banigou did on Sunday. He he singled him out as a guy that played pretty well. Um, but yeah, it's just you know it's kind of tough to get a fourth defensive, and when Jabal Sheard gets back, it's going to be tough to get him consistent reps. So I think you look at Turee as your better pure rusher, so that's why you want him on the field a little bit more than you want Banegu
1: All right, man. Colts, Raiders, Lucas Oil Stadium, 1 o'clock kickoff. What are your keys to the game?
0: Disrupt Derek Carr's number one. You know, I uh, the stat is pretty amazing. Derek Carr has the highest passer rating against the Colts of any team in the NFL. <sighs> I think huh. it's 128-ish. Wow. So he's towards the Colts. Two meetings, or just two meetings, but still. Uh, got to have a better pass rush. And in a West Coast offense, it's so much timing. You've got to disrupt that timing, which, again, that is either the rush or or it's you play a little bit more press man and you disrupt some of that timing. And just, I felt like at times in the zone looks, Joey, guys are backpedaling to their zone and then they get to their point where they stop in the zone. And then for a lack of a better term, their feet get stuck in mud. And they're just slow to breaking on the ball. Slower than they need to be. Yeah. So I think disrupting the timing of Derek Carr is paramount. He's the only guy that can keep Oakland in this game. I don't think Oakland's going to rush for I don't see Josh Jacobs going off for 150 and, uh, you know, Oakland winning the game that way. Number two, your depth has to deliver. We mentioned the injuries. You're banged up. You're also playing at home against the Oakland Raiders. You should win this football game. Even if worst case scenario happens, no Leonard. No Hooker, no Hilton. You should win this football game. Like, that's just the reality of the NFL. It's a home game against a team that we all expect to be drafted in the top ten. Yep. You should win this football game, and your depth has got to deliver for you. You know, a second start for Okariki. If Hilton is limited or if he's out, do we see Campbell and Kane, you know, take on a bigger role in the passing game? Obviously, Kari Willis at safety. And then lastly, I think you just got to embrace being the favorite. You know, something we talked about coming into this season, well, outside expectations, will the Colts react differently to those this season? You know, they played the underdog role so well. Well, this is one of the games where you're the definite favorite. I just think it's good to, good to embrace those. And like I mentioned earlier, you win on Sunday, you play with a whole lot of house money next week in Arrowhead. Colts have won seven straight at home. Yeah, they've always been.
1: I mean, think back to the RCA Dome days. Right, right.
0: You know? But seven, seven straight, I mean, that's uh-huh. that's notable. Second longest streak in the NFL, I think, to the Patriots. Um, so, yeah. Those are my keys. Got a prediction? What are we thinking? Spread six and a half. I'm going to go above that. I think the Raiders, if you can jump on them early, I think that they will break. I go Colts 31. Raiders 20.
1: Wow. I was going to go Colts 30, Raiders 21. Nice. There you go. Look at us. Uh-huh. Um. Yeah. So, so far, 3-0 in the year
0: predictions. Hopefully, you know, for my selfish sake, move to 4-0. And for Colts fans' sake, move them to 3-1 in the year.
1: Hey, they don't come to you... You know, they call you the number one Colts podcast in the Colts program for nothing there, Oh, man. great so point. Great point. You got, you're yeah. proving it week in and week out. forgot about that. that
0: game day ad. Thank you for making that.
1: Uh-huh. All right. Uh, so, rest of the week, what can we expect in terms of preview and everything leading up to uh, week four?
0: Yeah, definitely a lot of injury stuff. Um, we'll hit on that on Thursday's Notebook and then Friday's Notebook as well. Uh, I, I will get into a little bit more Akari Willis today and just kind of what his role exactly will look like and and why the Colts feel confident that he can line up all over the field Um, we'll stick next week we'll stick to Monday, Thursday Um, and then the bye week we will get into maybe just one podcast during the bye week but uh, yeah Um, 1075thefan.com for your latest and then obviously KBowen1070 on Twitter cool
1: man All right, everybody have a great weekend
0: and um, if you have any further questions hit me up on Twitter thanks for listening everybody This has been Kevin Bowen. Thank you for listening to another edition of Kevin's Corner. If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher for the best Colts and Pacers coverage.